Welcome to the Word Podcast. The Lord God has given us His Word. Let us learn it. Let us live it. Let us rejoice in it. Spread the Word. Well, blessings, everyone. This is Dale. Thank you so much for joining with me today. We're going to continue on with our examination of that phrase, one another. We've seen that it appears in several places in Scripture. And as in all things within the, anytime you're reading anything, scripture or any type of reading, uh, the words derive their meaning from context. So it's really important to see what the context is, to understand what the word itself may mean, but also what the whole phrase means. <clears throat> we sort of have an example of that today because the one another phrase actually appears in 1 Corinthians 11.33. So let me just read this. It says this, so then, well, there you go. I get two words, right? So then, in other words, some point of conclusion is being reached here. So then, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. Well, there's the one another. So he tells us to wait for one another when we come together to eat. But what is the context? What's being spoken about here? Why, why does he say anything about this? So let me back up here. Uh, verse 18 of 1 Corinthians 11. And so let me read from 18 all the way down to where we were, and you'll see what the story is. Paul's saying this, for in the first place, well, there you go again. It, he's picking up something that he just spoke of, but we don't have time to go all the way back to the first chapter, right? In the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that divisions exist among you, and in part, I believe it. <laughs> well, the, one of the reasons he believed it was he's already talked about it. In the first chapter of 1 Corinthians, he talks about how, you know, some say I'm of Paul, of Apollos, of Peter, of Jesus, that type of thing. That division was popping up among them. And that was based upon oratorical skills and beliefs and et cetera, et cetera. And he says, I believe that there's divisions there. Verse 19, he says, for there must also be factions among you so that those who are approved may become evident among you. That's sort of an interesting verse. Because he's saying this, uh, it's going to be sort of natural that there'll be factions because if there's two opinions of something, one's going to be correct and one's going to be incorrect. So he says there, there must be needs for factions to where it will be evident the ones who are approved, the ones that are correct. So verse 20, now we see what he's talking about. Therefore, when you meet together, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. Ah, yeah, verse 21. For in your eating, each one takes his own supper first. And one is hungry, and another is drunk. So they were having problems when they gathered together for the Lord's Supper, for a communion time, to remember what the Lord had done for them. Some were eating in excess. Some were drinking in excess. That's what happens. We call that getting drunk, right? Uh, and yet others were hungry because they didn't have anything to eat. So what's Paul's response to that? Verse 22 of 1 Corinthians 11 starts with this word, What? Do you not have houses in which to eat and drink? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? In this I will not praise you. Interesting little thought right here. He's saying this. Why are you uh, gathering together and using this for a pig-out banquet time, this time of remembrance of the Lord? He said you can do that at home. You can eat at home. You can drink at home. But then he says this. Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? 
when we act that way, when we behave that way, and there's those around that have nothing, that are going hungry, that are going thirsty, and yet they're believers, just as we are, we are literally despising the church of God. You're despising the very vessels in which God dwells in. And you do that by bringing shame upon those that have nothing. And so folks will say, well, what should we do? If someone's hungry, you feed them. If they're thirsty, you give them drink. If they need clothing and shelter, you give them clothing, you give them shelter. This is the body of Christ functioning together. So he says, am I going to praise you in what you're doing? He said, I'm not going to praise you because you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. Verse 23. For, and this is very familiar, but now you're going to see a little bit of the context. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So both times he says, in remembrance of me, in remembrance of me. And that gets into some theological things, which we're not going to chase right now, but it does speak forth the truth here. Okay, verse 26, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, verse 27, whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself, and in so doing, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself, if he does not judge the body rightly. Several things being said here and inferred here. Uh, the bottom line is this, that when we gather in remembering the Lord with the bread and with the cup, this isn't a time of excess, of excess eat, of excess drink. Now, most of us were raised in, in situations to where the bread consists of what I affectionately refer to as a Baptist chiclet. And the cup, a really bad tasting grape juice, all right? Um, just a taste of each. I think we can gather around, remember, around a meal, okay, a complete meal. But not a gluttonous meal, not a drunken meal, not a meal of excess while others are lacking. But another thing he's saying right here is that we must examine ourselves because if we take of this unworthily, not unworthily from the point of view that you're not really saved, but unworthily from the point of view that uh, that there's sin and quite often holding out in your heart against somebody. Okay? He said if you do that, then you're not judging the body rightly, your body or the body of Christ. Well, there's an outcome that comes with that. Verse 30 tells us what it is. For this reason, that's how it starts, for this reason, because you haven't judged the body rightly, many among you are weak and sick and a number sleep. Now, that is interesting because you have taken this in an unworthy manner because there's things that have occurred. You're weak, you're sick, and a number sleep. And sleep right here means uh, they, they've died. Uh, believers are always described as being asleep, not dead, okay? Being asleep. And so there's some interesting corollaries that come out of this right here. Uh, I think that uh, it literally has a physiological impact upon us. Okay, when we take of the bread, when we take of the cup, and that if we do so rightly, that the Lord literally brings forth life within us. But if we don't do it rightly, then uh, 
we're weak, we're sick, and a number sleep that death will come within us. Now, I'm not saying that God's going to strike you dead because you're holding all against somebody, but I do believe that because we refuse to forgive, because we carry about bitterness and anger and resentment and things like that, that it has a physiological impact upon our body. If we go before the Lord in total forgiveness, if we go before Him in the right way, I think He breathes life in us. Now, verse 31, But if we judged ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. Verse 32, But when we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord, so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So the Lord is saying, I'm, I'm judging you because of the way that you're acting right here. That's the reason you're weak, weak and sick and a number of them have slept. You need to repent. You need to quit doing these things in this way. The next verse is where we begin. So then, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. When you come together to eat, in other words, honor one another. The last verse tells us sort of how to do it. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home so that you will not come together for judgment. And the remaining matters I will arrange when I come. So there's other things that Paul was going to talk with him about. But he talks about when you come together, honor one another, wait upon one another, minister to one another. If someone doesn't have enough food, enough bread, enough drink to participate, share with one another. This isn't a time of drunken excess. This is a time of remembering what the Lord has done for us. Again, I'm Dale. Thank you for being with me. I'll see you soon.